Hey, well, good morning. Thanks for being here. And uh, Jacob and Justin in the video, they commented on uh, belong, believe, become. That's important today as we engage our lesson. This idea that this is first a place of belonging. We want to invite people uh, to belong. As we launch our missional communities, as our branches, um, uh, this, is, this is pivotal, that we create in them places of belonging, places that people can come and find refuge and relationship. Uh, belonging is key to this journey. Uh, in time, um, today we're going to talk about belief, and we're going to talk about doubt, and we're going to talk about struggles and faith, okay? Uh, so today is a, is, a, is a wonderful and challenging topic, um, but at some point, uh, many of us have come to believe in Jesus. We've come to place our hope in Him, and at that point is the time when uh, God starts to work in powerful ways in our lives that we can become more like Jesus, so we can become who we were created to be. Um, and so often, uh, when it comes to religion and church, we turn these upside down, and you have to behave, you have to become, you have to act like we act to, to find a place of belonging, right? Um, but but we, we, want, we want to establish both in a church and in our, in our uh, branches a place where belonging comes first. Belief is what we move towards, and then God changes our lives in beautiful ways. I love that order, and I love that opportunity. Hey, this morning, we're going to engage uh, Luke chapter 7, and we'll do that in a few minutes. But I was thinking this week, and I, it, it occurred to me, I realized that, that, uh, that I'm really, I carry some, some baggage in life, some, some burdens in life. And um, so I'm going to need, probably need to schedule an appointment with Jake or Jen uh, in the weeks to come because I carry some real baggage that revolves around coloring. Um, yeah, like crayons, coloring. Uh, it's, uh, you know, it's plagued me for a lot of years. Uh, in fifth grade, uh, we had a coloring assignment, which seems a little bit strange thinking back on. Really, fifth grade and we're coloring, but we were we had a coloring assignment in fifth grade, and um, it was a group project, and you had a big paper, and everyone was supposed to come together to color uh, the picture, and it was a picture of a room, you know, like a, indoors in a house, and, uh, and I didn't really know what to do, and at this point, I was still very self-conscious about the fact that I was colorblind. We had just figured that out fairly recently, so I'm kind of hanging back, you know, like, let, let these, uh, there's two girls that apparently they had colored before, um, because they were, you know, they were into it. They knew what they were doing, and so... Um, so I'm hanging back, you know, I don't know which color to pick up because I don't know what, they didn't have the names written on them. And uh, so I didn't know which one to pick up and, and if I would be coloring something the right color. And so uh, they, they assigned me a task um, and I, th- I think I awkwardly had to ask them to give me the right crayon or something, you know, to paint a table brown. And so I was just supposed to color this this um, this table, and so I started coloring the table. And uh, apparently, people who know how to color, well, they they color all in the same direction, and then you can even kind of outline, you know, the lines so that it really pops and looks nice. I knew none of that. I mean, I'm just I'm just squiggly lines all over, and I got the table all over the floor, and they were just downright angry with me. Uh, they, I mean, they just chewed me out, and they kicked me out of their group. And so I watched them color their ass today. Um, so. You know, I, I carry a lot of baggage with that coloring, and years later, I'm 22 years old, and we're at uh, a dinner with some friends, and their daughter had some coloring supplies out, and, uh, and I realized my opportunity to redeem uh, some childhood hurt. 
because uh, it was a really simple picture. It had three paint cans, and on the paint cans were the names of the three colors. And uh, and I had this. I mean, they were pretty obvious uh, what the colors were. So I picked up the proper crayons, and I colored it properly. Man, got the pop around the edge and everything. It looked sharp. And uh, as we're about to eat our meal, I presented my gift to the group. And I truly thought I had done this. I, I truly thought I had done this right. And they just looked at me like, what are you... What is going on here? And uh, and then they told me those are the. I'm like, what's going on? They said those are the wrong colors. And I said, no, they're not. I knew they were messing with me because everyone messes with colorblind people. The moment you find out, you got to quiz them on the color of their shirt. It's black. I know. It's black. Yeah, yeah, it's black. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, everyone wants to quiz you, you know, they want to know. And uh, so I thought they were messing with me, and it got really awkward. Uh, turns out pink and gray are not the same color. And uh, so um, it, it failed again. So I carry a lot of baggage with color. And that was one of those moments where I was pretty sure I knew what I was doing, and uh, and it just didn't come out the way I expected. Um, and uh, a lot of times in life, we experience things like that when our experiences don't live up to our expectations, right? When, when we have expectations and excitement about things, and yet the experiences we have just don't quite line up with what, with what we had hoped for. And I looked for some, some funny videos and clips, but most of them didn't work real well, of, of when, when expectations uh, are not met. Uh, when experiences, you know, people showing off on a motorcycle, doing wheelies and crashing, and guys burning out in their cars and wrecking it into another vehicle, you know. Uh, one guy I saw, this, this is the one I probably should have shown if I would have actually pulled one in, um, but uh, he's proposing uh, to his, his uh, girlfriend, and they're in a boat, a bunch friends around and he pulls out the ring and she gets so excited she goes ah and the ring flies into the water and everyone freaks out you know um so so but these times when like your expectations are high but the experience it just did not live up and today uh, on a very serious level as we start to get in uh to to luke chapter 7 um john the baptist uh his experiences are not living up to his expectations. And so he comes to Jesus with some very big questions, some challenging questions, and probably some questions that you and I um, have had in our lives. I know I have. Probably all of us have had as well. So John, uh, in, in, we'll, we'll read the story of John the Baptist and Jesus in Luke chapter 7, verse 18. Luke 7, 18. So John's disciples told him about all these things. Now, all these things, let me clarify, is last week we read about Jesus healing people. Uh, he raised a person from the dead. Jesus has been teaching. So the disciples, John's disciples, are, are telling him about all the things that Jesus is doing, all the good and amazing things. Calling two of his disciples, John sent them to the Lord to ask, are you the one who was to come or should we expect someone else? When the men came to Jesus, they said, John the Baptist sent us to you to ask, are you the one who was to come, or should we expect someone else? At that very time, Jesus cured many who had diseases, sicknesses, and evil spirits, and he gave sight to many who were blind. So he replied to the messengers, go back and report to John what you have seen and heard. The blind receive sight, the lame walk Those who have leprosy are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is preached to the poor. Blessed is the man who does not fall away or stumble on account of me. So John at this point is in prison. 
Uh, he's, he's sitting in prison for having stood up for his faith against a Roman official. And uh, though he may not know it at this moment, John is soon going to lose his life. He'll be beheaded. He'll be executed for um, having spoken up against this Roman official. John is sitting in prison, um, and he's frustrated about his circumstances in life. His experiences are not what he had hoped for. Just about one year into his ministry, he's in the desert, and, and flocks of people are coming to be baptized by him. Jesus himself comes to be baptized in, uh, by him. And just a year into the ministry, he's now in prison, and, uh, and soon will lose his life. And, and so he's, he's challenged by his current circumstances. He's also challenged, challenged as an Israelite person, as a Jewish person, of, of this idea of a Messiah. You see, the prophecies that he has known and the one they've been waiting for, he's the one who will restore the reign uh, to King David, right? He will restore a king to the throne for Israel. They'll no longer be oppressed by and under Rome, right? So right now they're not even a nation of their own, and they're, they're anticipating a Messiah who will come and free them from this bondage. And, and, and so in this moment of his weakness, and in this moment where Israel is, is anticipating their expectations are not what Jesus is currently accomplishing, he comes to Jesus with a very real question. He sends a couple disciples with a very real question. Are you the one, or should we expect someone else? And you can hear in that question his fear and his, and his hurt and his disillusionment. Um, fear and hurt and disillusionment experienced by many people right, right there in, in Israel as they wanted Jesus to come in and to reign. They wanted him to rule this nation. They wanted to get back at the oppressive power that was over them. And so, so when Jesus spends his time healing, well, that's great. That's good. I mean, he's clearly a powerful man, but why hasn't he taken over yet? You know, why, why hasn't the rebellion begun? Why aren't we at war? Why aren't we winning back our nation that we can be restored to our glory days? And so they, they start to say, I don't know. Jesus, are you? Are you truly the one who was to come, or should we expect someone else? And, uh, and so Jesus answers their question, except Jesus always answers questions in interesting ways. When the Pharisees will come to him and they'll, they'll, they'll pose a, a stump or just a real challenging question to Jesus, uh, he'll, he'll say, well, you answer me this question, and if you do, then I'll answer yours. And he'll throw another question back at them that they can't answer, right? Um, in this case, uh, Jesus answers in a different but unique way. Um, he said, instead of answering their question, he demonstrates his answer, right? So in front of these men asking, are you really the Messiah? Uh, it, it says um, that uh, he gave sight to many blind people. Uh, he cured diseases and sicknesses. He drove uh, evil spirits out of people. Uh, and so they see, wow, this is a powerful man. And then you would expect Jesus to say, yeah, see, I'm the Messiah, and in a sense, he does. He says, um, he says, now go back and tell John the Baptist what you have seen. Um, and, and he quotes uh, loosely. He speaks of language, prophetic language from the Israelite people that, that they would be quite familiar with about the time when the Messiah will come. 
about this, this glorious time when, when things will be set right. In Isaiah 35, um, Isaiah, hundreds of years previously, had prophesied when the Messiah comes. He says, Then the eyes of the blind will be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Uh, they will be, uh, uh, then, uh, I'm sorry, then the lame will leap like a deer and the mute tongue shout for joy. Right? He, he, he demonstrates his power. He shows them these sorts of miracles, and then he says, remember, this is what will happen when the Messiah comes. And, and they're, they're left going back, reciting to John the things that they saw and the things that they heard. And they're left going back, um, wondering, well, so yeah, that, that is our, the prophecy, that is what was to come, but it feels still somewhat unfulfilled. Right? Where's, where's the rest of it? We, we want a little bit more. And they're left in their questions. But to the Israelite people, this prophecy was pivotal. And, and I start to turn to us today, um, realizing that, that you and I have doubts, that, that we have questions, that, that, that we want to know more. And that especially in difficult seasons in life, we'll find ourselves sometimes asking the exact same question. Jesus, are you truly the one? Now, now, typically when we ask those questions or feel those things, we push them as far from ourselves as we can, right? We feel guilty about having asked that or had that thought, and so we just kind of shove it away. Now, John demonstrates a, a different example for us when the doubts and the concerns come. Instead, he asks a question of Jesus. He, in what way he can through his disciples, he approaches Jesus and he asks, are you truly the one? And so a uh, first thing I want to notice is as we, as we just acknowledge that we all have questions and we all have doubts, um, that I, I want to acknowledge that to ask Jesus is the right thing to do. Rather than hiding it away and pretending like it doesn't exist, which so often in our lives causes us to begin to distance ourselves and wither away, and uh, instead, John demonstrates for us that we ask the hard questions that we're honest about the doubt, that we're honest about the feelings and the concerns that we have. And, and so, so Jesus answered their question with a demonstration of power and with a reminder of prophecy. And I asked myself, well, what about us today? Uh, we ask, I mean, where do we get to see his power today? And I've got, I've got nothing here to convince people of belief. But I do want to share with you some of the places that I have seen God's power today and invite us to look for God and his power today. Um, I, I, w- I have experienced, and, and my wife uh, speaks frequently about the peace that comes only from God. Read in Philippians 4 if, if you want to look more into that later. But um, it speaks of a peace that passes understanding. When all uh, signs in life point to things are crumbling and this is no good, that God offers a peace that passes understanding, a peace bigger than anything we can understand or imagine that will guard our hearts and our souls. I see power in God's ability to bring peace and comfort even in the midst of a storm. See God's power in um, in changed lives. I have a friend who um, he spent most of his life uh, working construction down in California. He um, uh, he made uh, 
um, amazing amounts of money uh, as the industry was booming, uh, and he spent it all on drugs and alcohol and uh, and cars. That in in time he uh, he totaled his cars, drinking and driving. Um, was in a um, a severe accident that he was at fault um, for while while drinking, and um, and there came a time in life when he when he had to find something new. Right when he was so broken that he had to start again, that's when he found Jesus, and that's uh, when his life began to change. And this man today uh, is just an inspiration to me. He uh, he lives in just humble circumstances, a humble home, and he always has two or three recovering addicts living in his home, uh, who he's helping through AA and NA. Uh, he wakes up every morning and he asks, "So God, um, what do you have for me today?" And he lives his life just like that, right? The changed lives that, that come through the power of God, for me, I love, I love seeing that. And, and many of us probably have a story of how I'm different today than I was before I knew Jesus. I'm different today because of the extent that I have dedicated myself to him and I see his power at work in my life. And and then Jesus demonstrates his power in the story, and then and then he gives an explanation uh, out of out of the prophecy, out of out of Isaiah, an explanation of this is then who I am. And so uh, we ask ourselves, well, so that then how is our doubt settled? Well, one through seeing his power, and secondly, um, I see God's uh, promises. I see God's um, answers to questions uh, in Scripture. And I realize that can be uh, kind of convoluted and challenging. We see a huge Bible, and we start at the beginning and say we're going to read all the way through it, and four days later we've quit, right? Um, the, these are That's often the way we approach Scripture. And yet, I think um, uh, none of that, none of that negates the fact that there are powerful answers to questions and concerns in God's Word. And so we gather like this, and we gather in our community groups, and we study God's Word, and we try to understand a little more fully who is God and what is His call and invitation for my life. So I see God uh, answering our questions through Scripture. I see um, God answering our questions through the circumstances of life. Right? It can be the simple things, like the sun shining on me as I walk out the door in the morning. It can be the bird perched on the porch that we watch. It can be the interactions that we have with, with friends or family. The kindness of a stranger can sometimes be an answer to a question or a challenge in my life. And then finally, I see answers to the questions of doubt in just the story of God's work in the world. The way Jesus impacted the future, the the world, right? Everything changed as Jesus lived. And so we ask ourselves this question, so who is this man Jesus, right? It's a question that John asks, are you really the one? Who is this Jesus? Well, we know this. Jesus was a man that lived 2,000 years ago. I mean, historically, we don't question whether or not he walked. We know this from the witnesses. Uh, we know that he is a, he was a healer. And he was a teacher, and, uh, and the witnesses there say he raised people from the dead. I mean, he, he demonstrated power over death. And, and we see the impact then that he has had on the world. 
we look now 2,000 years later that our calendar system and our holidays and so much of not just our culture, but worldwide culture revolves around this man, Jesus, who lived on earth. And then we listen to the stories of, of the witnesses of his resurrection. And this is where maybe many of our doubts start to creep in. You know, did he raise from the dead? Uh, Is he still alive today? What does that look like? I don't fully understand. This is where some of our doubts and our our questions revolve. And the the most beautiful piece to this this story that I see is uh, that that all but one of his disciples, uh, of those 12, um, died um, with the conviction that he rose from the dead. And that other one died of natural causes, still saying that exact same thing. If they had wanted to make up a story and gain power in Jerusalem by being the rulers, that you know, the overseers of a new religion, uh, there is no way that on their deathbed while being crucified upside down or burned at the stake, that, that all of them would maintain this singular conviction. He rose from the dead. And that's just beautiful to me. Now, I don't want to boil this all down to say like there's this formula to belief then, right? If you know these right things, then everyone, you will believe. And then we engage people as though, well, I just got to tell you what's right and then you'll believe like I believe. No, that would, it would be ignorant to think that, that in 25 and 30 minutes here, we could, you know, just sum up belief. You see, there's also this element of faith. There's this element of, of, of faith and trust in something bigger than we can comprehend and something more beautiful than we've ever experienced or known. And there's this, there's this beautiful story. It's actually over in the Gospel of Luke, um, the, the ninth chapter. It's this man who, uh, his boy was possessed by a demon from birth. Um, and, uh, and he comes to Jesus asking Jesus to heal his, his son, to heal his child. And so Jesus, he asks the boy's father, how long has he been like this? Well, from childhood, the father answered. Um, yeah, the, this is the demon. It has often thrown him into the fire or the water to, to try to kill him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. Jesus responds, if you can, everything is possible for him who believes. And immediately the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. And so we approach our questions and our doubts and we approach Jesus' feet uh, with with concerns and apprehension and not knowing exactly um, uh, if this is all right. Jesus, are you truly the one? And I love the example of this man as he says, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. We come as people of faith. We, we're here in this room for some reason, and yet we say, but God, give me more faith. G- give me more right? We, we have this beginning of what is to be, and in this life, we get to grow in our faith and our belief, and we get to witness God's power that ultimately is revealed in resurrection after this life, that ultimately what we catch a glimpse of now is fully realized beyond this life. And so we approach Jesus today, I believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. We approach Jesus knowing that our questions and our doubts are not too big or or, or too scary for him, but instead we approach saying, 
here's what I've got. Here's what I understand. Here's what I believe. I have faith. And yet, Father, please give me more. Like John, we approach with questions. And like John, I hope that we experience his power and that we see answers in in each other, in the world around us, that our faith can grow a little bit more. I want to make one provision here. I know there's, there's some of us in the room that are struggling with faith, that are struggling with belief. And, uh, and Jacob mentioned, and I mentioned in the beginning, this idea of belong, believe, and become, and in that order. And, and the reason we talk about that is because our, our passion in, in starting this church and in beginning this journey was that we want to create a place in which people can belong first and ask hard questions. The belief comes next in life. And so today, if, um, today, if belief is not where you're at, we just want you to know that's okay. That this is a place of belonging and where we are all asking hard questions. And we ask, come with us on this journey. But we continue to ask, who is Jesus? And what does it look like to follow him?